All right, welcome to God's Watchmen. Thank you for tuning in. We have another special guest tonight, and his name is Bill. He's quite the character. If you ever get the chance to meet him, he'll make you laugh right there on the spot. He has a gift to make you feel loved, and he really has a heart for the people, especially people in the foreign countries where, where they don't get to hear the gospel. Tonight we'll be hearing a little bit about Bill and who he is and how the Lord uses him. Bill. Would you like to tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, what, what's your everyday life like with Jesus? How do you spend your day today with Jesus? Okay, well, um, in the morning I have my coffee and my quiet time. That's been a uh, regular, um, just really getting into God's Word, meditating on it, memorizing it, and then asking God for the grace to put it into practice. <laughs> That's where the rubber meets the road. Amen. And, um, yeah, that's how I start my day. Okay. That's a great start. Yeah. And it gets you all fired up, huh? Yeah. Yeah, and I have a, I have a whole list of, um, I have a bunch of pictures of people that I pray for every day, so they're, um, that's part of my morning time is praying for people that, you know, have, that God's put on my heart. Awesome. Now, if you don't mind me asking, how long is that time usually? Uh, it's about an hour, an yeah. hour, sometimes a little longer. Okay. Yeah, and then um, sometimes in the evening I'll try to go over, you know, what I read in the morning to just get it reinforced. I'm working on a big believer in memorizing Scripture, you know, so I've been working on memorizing key passages, you know, of Scripture. Okay. Yeah. What What's a key passage that you've been working on now, if you don't mind sharing? Yeah, sure. Um from Matthew 18, oh no, Matthew, um, John 14, where uh, Jesus said, Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. And it goes on to, in 14.6, um, Jesus said to the disciples, Oh, you know where I'm going, and you know the way. And Thomas said, We don't know where you're going. We don't know the way. <laughs> and that's when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. So that's a beautiful passage. And uh, I know 14.6, but I, I want to learn the context because it's a good way to share, you know, when you're sharing with uh, people that are not Christians. that need, I think the context helps for them to understand that verse more. Yeah, that's, that's mm. beautiful. You really enjoy that time and taking the practice into learning the scriptures. Mm. It shows your love that you have for the word, your love that you have for Jesus and wanting to share that with others. That's beautiful. Um, so would you consider that that's your favorite thing to do? Or uh, what is your favorite thing to do? You mean like recreational or spiritual or? Both. Oh, both. both. Okay, well, recreational, I was raised on Long Island, New York, which is a beautiful island. And I spent my summer water skiing, fishing, boating, clamming, scuba diving, we spent a lot of time on the water. We're really into the water boats and boating. Um, spiritually, my greatest joy is sharing the glorious gospel with people. My spiritual gift, my main gift is evangelism. Mm. And uh, I've been doing that for 39 years and getting better at it. It's like anything you get better at it as you do it in practice, you know? Yeah. So that's yeah. my favorite, sharing the, the gospel with uh, people. Awesome. Bill, you, you sound like you're a man of many gifts, many talents. It's great to to hear that. So um, you said you were with the Lord for 39 years. You mm. grew up in Long Island, New York. Mm. Would you tell us what it was like growing up in New York and then how you came to Christ? What what drew you to, to Jesus? Mm. Sure. Let me just give this a little thought. Well, growing up on Long Island was uh, a joy because... It's a beautiful island surrounded by uh, beaches, beautiful beaches, and I just, God put a love in my heart for the water, so I was able to spend a lot of time in water sports, surfing, fishing, boating, scuba, you name it. Um, but I wasn't walking with the Lord at that time, and it wasn't until I was in my early 30s that I really started to feel God was drawing me, and finally I went. I saw this church one night when I was jogging around this area, and it was called Church of the Nazarene. And I said, well, well Jesus was a Nazarene. Maybe I should go to this church. <laughs> and I did. And the first time I went to that church, I got scared because people were clapping and smiling, and 
I probably had a hangover. I was like, they must be on drugs. <laughs> but um, I stayed, and somebody from that church visited me and invited me to a Bible study. And it was through that Bible study that I came to know the Lord. Nice. Do you remember what 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 it brought you? Uh, I don't know how to explain it, but what it felt like, I should say, when that guy invited you to to a Bible study. Did that mean something to you that he went out of his way? Yeah, it absolutely. Yeah, it really did because I said, "Wow, I went to this church one time and somebody came to visit me." My last church. I hadn't been to in seven years and nobody even called me. So I was like, wow, it made an impression on me. And I resisted at first. I said, Ralph, I still remember Ralph Laudano. I don't want to, you know, I really don't want to go to a Bible study. I can't understand the Bible. But he was very persistent. And finally I went. (laughs) Yeah. And it was through that Bible study that uh, God really touched my heart, you know. And that was the beginning of um, getting to know the Lord. Yeah. That's awesome that. God used that man to get you there and to where you're at today. Um, so thanks for sharing that. Uh, what what I would really like to sit down with Bill as he's here is about his missions, and he goes on missions trips across the world. He has been on foreign missions, and he really says that's where his heart's at and how he would love to see people hear the word of God, the gospel. So, Bill, how how did God lead you into the missions field? Yeah, well, I always had a love for boats and boating, and I figured when I retired, I'd buy a boat and travel around the world. That was before I was a Christian. Okay. And I met somebody that worked with Mercy Ships, which is a Christian ministry. They have hospital ships. And when I became a Christian, I got... I contacted them, and I got involved with Mercy Ships, and that was amazing because I always wanted to live on a ship. My dream was to live on a boat, but God's dream was to live on a ship with other Christians and traveling around the world and helping people. So that's what I did for my first seven years uh, as a Christian. I got involved with Mercy Ships, traveling to Guatemala, Honduras, um, Dominican Republic, and I just fell in love with that ministry, living on a ship, helping people in third world countries. And they called it the two hands of the gospel, with one meeting the physical needs and the other sharing the gospel. So I was usually part of the evangelism team on the ship, um, and that was exciting. And through that, I started to meet people from other countries, because on the ship I was on, we had pe- people from 35 different nations. Wow. So that was the way I started to find out about foreign missions, and that's kind of how I got led to go to China and Thailand. Wow. Hmm. Uh, what was it like when you were in the Dominican Republic, Honduras, and places like that? Was Was there hardship down there? Was it hard to share the gospel with it? Is there any... Uh, controversy down there? Well, sure. This country, the whole world's <laughs> controversial. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but the first time, that was my first time in a third world country, and I was shocked. I mean, I saw pictures, but to see the way people live in a third world country really broke my heart. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, just um, the conditions were terrible, uh, very little food, a lot of gang violence, poverty, um, a lot of, yeah, a lot of violence. So I was shocked, but um, people were very open to the gospel. Um, so that was encouraging. And we, people, once you do something to help them, to show them God's love in a really positive way, they're more open to hear your message. You know, like somebody said, a hungry stomach has no ears. So um, there's some truth in that. You know, when you help people, um, they're more likely to listen to your message. So I saw that come true on the Mercy ships. And everybody on the ship were volunteers. Nobody got paid. In fact, we had to pay to live on the ship. Okay. So that was a testimony to people in Honduras and Guatemala. They said, wait, you work on the ship. You don't get paid. You pay to live on the ship, and you're helping us? And that spoke to them. That was pretty powerful. Wow. That was a good testimony in itself. And, and how long were those runs when you were on the ship? Was that like 
365 you did that or was that like you did it for half a year like how how was the on and off good question well generally we spent three months in a third world country and then the ship would go back to the united states and do a tour of the east coast a pr public relations tour and that's how we recruited volunteers for the next trip and that's how we got supplies so um it was like a six-month cycle and i worked about seven years on and off with the mercy ships and so, I really enjoyed the PR tours because I got to see, we went up and down the East Coast. Actually, we went all the way up to Halifax, Nova Scotia, where I always wow. wanted to go one day, and that was exciting. Yeah. So you mentioned before you came to Christ, you had a desire in your heart to just travel the world on a boat, and mm. God brought that desire to life, but to glorify Him. And that that's so neat and that you shared that you got to go somewhere that you always wanted to go. Yeah, and the verse that kind of hit me on that was to um, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. And he did, because I just loved being on the ship and uh, work, living in community with people from 35 nations and helping people. It was really a, a dream come true. I really enjoyed it. Even though my, my, the room, I'm, the room on, uh, that I lived in on the ship measured about six by six, it was yeah. tiny, but I slept great, and I loved being on the ship. So, uh, my next question was, how did you like living on the ship? You just said you loved it, but did you get along with everybody? I mean, we're all human. Was there any, was it tough to get along with strangers at first? Yeah, there's an adjustment. You know, I we um, there's always people that you don't click with, even Christians, you know, yeah. and um but uh, we tried to get along, and there was a lot of unity, but there was also some conflicts, you know. Um, yeah. Actually, yeah, but generally we got along well because we all had a heart to help people, and um, we loved being on the ship, and uh, it was exciting. The people that are involved with Mercy Ship say that you get spoiled for the ordinary, and that's true because we had adventures every day. Every day was exciting and challenging and uh, new challenges and excitement every day. So it was, it was fun. Yeah. Could you share an exciting story that you could remember? Yeah, sure. Um, on one of our trips to Honduras, I was working in the galley helping our chief chef, Tyrone, prepare food for 160 people, which was a big job. We had to do three meals a day. Yeah. And we had a crew of about six. So we were in the kitchen preparing food, and the captain came in and said, we have a special guest, the president the president of Honduras and his wife are coming for a visit. So you have to make a special meal at the last minute. Wow. So we did. So we had to put on our dress uniforms and um, everything went well. But then we were invited to the community room to receive a thank you from the president's wife. Yeah. And <clears throat> when she came, she showed up in a helicopter with uh, security, with uh, automatic weapons and she showed up in jeans and a t-shirt and we had our dress uniforms on so it's kind of funny yeah but she oh, thanked awesome. the crew for uh helping her people yeah were you able to share the gospel with her not me personally you not, know but, I but, mean, yeah probably the um you know the leadership on the, the the ship the captain and the crew they probably did i i don't know for sure but she might even be in a uh, have been a believer i don't know yeah, yeah, i that, didn't get that far but, and, I, I think her husband was a Christian, so maybe, I'm not sure, that's quite a ways, that's 20, 22 years ago, yeah. so you're testing my memory. <laughs> hey. Yeah, but that was exciting. Yeah. Um, yeah, we had lots of fun on the ship. People really, just, it was great. It was really exciting. And you said you did that for seven years? Yeah, on and off. I usually did like six month uh, stints, three okay. months in a third world country, three months on the PR tour, and then I'd go home for a while and, um, you know, regroup and raise support, you know, and uh, yeah. so. How, how'd you raise support? How did God provide in that area? Hmm. Well, that's a good question. I had some friends of mine just started sending me checks without me even asking. Um, <laughs> wow. Somebody gave me an outboard motor one time and I was able to fix it and I sold it for a thousand bucks. I mean, just amazing ways how God provided. Yeah. Um, yeah, just things like that, like, um, yeah, just many ways, people that I, people that I didn't even know started sending me checks, you mm -hmm. know, 
Um, and I didn't even know these people. I was like, wow, who's that? <laughs> you know? Yeah. So that's why, you know, where God guides, he provides. And he, his heart is for missions. And if he calls you, he will provide. So if God's calling you, just keep going forward and he will provide. That's... So what, what's, what's like the, the price range for that now when you're on the ship for, you know, mm. six months? What's the pricing like that mm. then? Well, this was um, quite a while ago. So at that time, I started on the Mercy ship in the year 2000 and served till about 2007. At that time, the crew fees, they call it, uh, were 250 a month. And that covers all your food, your lodging, and medical. So that was a deal. I mean, you know, we okay. had food, lodging, uh, medical. Uh, now they're probably at least double. Um, 450 or something? Yeah, probably about that. I haven't kept up with it. But um, but the ship was great. We had great food. We had air conditioning on the ship. The rooms were small. Like I said, my room was six by six. But yeah. uh, people that came on the ship from Honduras that said, wow, you have purified water. You have air conditioning. You have food. Yeah. So it made us realize we were blessed, you know. Yeah. I am curious. Yeah. Um, for me, the ocean is super humbling. When when you're out on the ocean and there's nothing for, like, all of your eyesight, do you have any, any stories about feeling humbled in the midst of being in the ocean and in the sea on a, on a boat? Any any bad storms you guys got or anything? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, one thing is, though, the ship, once the ship gets to a port, they stay there for three months, and the ship doesn't move, and they do cataract surgery on the ship, so there's no movement. There's no seasickness. It's only when the ship is moving, and some people that suffer from seasickness will fly to the next port. They don't want to sail with the ship. Yeah. Whoa, okay. But a funny story. We were in uh, Honduras, and uh, I had a weekend off, so I took a bus to Guatemala to visit an orphanage where I knew some of the kids there, and I wanted to take them out to this water park. And we had a great time, and I spent the weekend there. And I came back to the ship on a Sunday night, and I'm getting to the port where the ship is docked, and I get there trying to make it in time for dinner, and the ship is gone. A 260-foot ship disappeared. And I, <laughs> I got a little worried, but then... Um, somebody from the ship came and said, there's a hurricane coming down the coast. The ship had to anchor out for safety. Oh. We'll come and pick you up tomorrow. So they put us up. But it was a little exciting event. You know, the ship was gone. They were supposed to leave the next day for the U.S., but they had to anchor out for safety. And and how big is how big is the ship, you it's said? It's 260 feet. It was called the Caribbean Mercy, which is pretty small for a ship. Okay. 260 feet, crew of 160. Okay. Yeah, okay. it was built in... Uh, 50s. It was actually built in Norway as a coastal ferry. So one of my jobs when we were in the U.S. was to give tours of the ship and explain the ministry mm-hmm. and about the ship. So I got to know a lot about um, the ship, you know, and sh- telling people how they can get involved, you know. Bill, my question is that when you were there in Honduras with, with them children, uh, did you see some of these children come to the Lord? Did that bring bring joy to you to see see that to see people come to Christ absolutely yeah I mean when you see you know a child receive Jesus as their Savior it really touches your heart and you know it makes you feel like you know your work is profitable now God doesn't always show you the fruit of your work but when he does it's encouraging yeah you know but yeah we saw quite a few children come to know the Lord and People said, what about discipleship, which is really important. And what we would do is we would take the names of these children and give them to pastors in that area, and they would do the follow-up, because follow-up is really important. That's awesome. Um, Somebody says everybody likes to catch fish, but nobody likes to clean them. And that's what discipleship is, cleaning the fish, you know. (laughs) That's a a really good point. I like that. I like that. I'm I'm gonna can I use that one? No, absolutely not. That's no. mine. Oh, that's Bill's. I All used right. to catch a lot of fish and give them to my mom and she said, Why don't you clean those fish? I go, I caught them, you clean them. <laughs> so <laughs> it's messy, it takes time, and yeah. fish don't like to be cleaned sometimes. So it's a good analogy, you know. Yeah. Discipleship is. is very important. Very important. Yeah. Thanks for sharing that. Mm. So you said you did that for about seven years. Mm. All right. Uh what what did you do after Mercy Ship? 
after Mercy Ships, I just God put it on my heart to go to China Ooh. to teach English. <clears throat> so I was getting ready to go, but then he showed me that I need to be prepared and I needed to <clears throat> to get some training on how to teach because I don't have a background in teaching. So I came to Pennsylvania, to Lebanon, to the YWAM base, and I took a course called TESOL which means it's, it's an acronym for Teaching English to Speakers of Other Languages. It's a one-month intense course, and it was intense, but it teaches you how to teach English. I did that course, and I felt much more prepared to go to China to teach English there. And how many times have you gone to China? Okay, um, to the best of my recollection, nine times. Nine times? Yeah. So... After you learned how to teach English, you went to China, correct? Mm -hmm. And how long did you stay out there your first time in China? Okay, well, I went nine times. Usually I stayed between four and six months. Four okay, six months. yeah, and um, yeah, between four and six months. I had a nice apartment there. I was able to buy an electric vehicle. So I was, I had actually the nicest apartment of my life in China for $200 a month. And I bought a brand new electric scooter for 800 and so I was really, you know, it was like really living very well. God really provided. And I did take one semester of Mandarin Chinese, which was a killer for somebody that got a minus 50 on a French test in elementary school. I did it, but God was merciful. Most of my students were high-level English speakers. They've had 10 years of grammar. They just wanted to do conversational English, which is much easier than teaching grammar. So I had lots of fun with the students. We had parties. We'd invite up in guests to uh, to work with the students. So I had a lot of fun just teaching, improving, helping them improve their conversational skills. Yeah. Can you speak any Mandarin? You understand? <laughs> I'm hoping you just said Jesus loves me. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the first things I learned how to say in Mandarin Chinese was no MSG because they put a lot of MSG in the food. So okay. no MSG in Mandarin is yao wei jing, and they'd still put it in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, it's a very hard language, but uh, I did one semester. My teacher was a Christian. Okay. And one time I'm sitting at my desk doing my homework, and nothing made sense, and I said, I'm going to quit. And the phone rang. It was my teacher, who happened to be a Christian, Fiona, she she said, don't give up. <laughs> and I, I knew that was God speaking to me. So I said, okay, Fiona. And she was a good teacher, you know. So, mm. yeah, I'll never forget that. I wanted to give up. and uh, But I persevered. And, uh, you know, I'm my basic <laughs> conversational Mandarin is okay, but um, not fluent by any means. <laughs> how, how, many, how many languages do you dabble in? Um, well, yeah, I learned a little Thai when I was in Thailand, mm -hmm. uh, Mandarin Chinese. Um, I knew some French, and now when I go to Guatemala, I study Spanish. I just came back from Guatemala for two and a half months, and I, I did 40 hours of Spanish, which co seems very easy compared to Mandarin, even though it's still hard as you get older to remember all the tenses and the grammar. But um, yeah, I'm not good with language, but I know a little bit of you know different languages, yeah. Thai is a very interesting language, though. I enjoyed learning a little Thai. Um, yeah. Do you guys know a little Thai? I I know nothing. I want to learn something in Thai? Go yes. for it. Okay. What do you want to learn? Uh, oh, wait. How about God bless you? Or yeah. God, Jesus loves you. Or okay. No, God bless you. That, that. Well, let me say the God loves you. It's uh Okay. Okay. Ready? Yeah. You say it after me. Pra. Pra. Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Pra Jesus. Raccoon. Pra, pra, Jesus, Jesus, raccoon, raccoon. Yeah, yeah. That's Jesus loves you. Yeah, pra, Jesus, yeah, raccoon. Yeah, raccoon. Yeah, raccoon. <laughs> Is that love you? Yeah. Raccoon. Yeah. Okay. Raccoon. And okay. first time I was in a church service in China, the first song that they sang was "Jesus Loves You," and I was in tears. A group of senior citizens that were blind came in to the podium, and they sang "Jesus Loves You" in Mandarin. And it's Yezu Aini, Jesus loves you. And I was like, wow, that was really special. Wow. Yeah. Now, backing up a little bit, 
when you first went to China. How how did God lead you there? Were you praying and fasting? How? How? Okay, well, I was at a YWAM conference in Thailand, in Chiang Mai, Thailand. They have a conference for all YWAM. Do you know about YWAM, Youth with a Mission? I know. Okay, I just a, know the name. Well, they had a conference in Thailand for all the people that are working in China, and they do it in Thailand for security reasons. So I, I was invited to that conference. I forgot how. At that conference, I met a, a Chinese lady named Yang Ping, and she invited me to come to a city called Lijiang in China and work and help volunteer at a, a Christian cafe in China run by a Norwegian guy who was called the Nordic Cafe. Okay. So that was the way God kind of got me into China. I went to help at this cafe, and it was amazing. We had great time there. I interacted with the uh, employees there. They were mostly Christians, and the, the people that came in, we got a chance to share with them. So it was an exciting ministry, the Nordic Cafe in Lijiang, China, beautiful city. It's called the Venice of China, um, hmm. just a very beautiful city. I've been there nine times, and I lived in that city for quite a while. I'm hoping to go back. <laughs> it sounds awesome. Yeah. I'm sure you got story after story of things that you experienced and what God God's done. Um, do you have any? Uh, did any hardship happen in China? That yeah, I know it's you can't really share the gospel, or they say you can go to jail. I don't, I don't know. No, that's not really true. The um, when okay. I was there, it's changing. But when I was there, what I was told is that you cannot preach the gospel. Okay, but if somebody asks you. Are you a Christian? And if you say yes, then if they say, what do you believe? Then you can share your faith about the Lord Jesus. But you can't just be proactive and, you know, preach. Okay. But so what I would do sometimes, I get to, once I get to know my students, I would develop a friendship with them and say, by the way, I'm a Christian. Would you want to know what I believe? So I set them up and that was legal, you know, and Many of the students were very open to the gospel because in China, the communists tell them there's no God. So when I tell them there is a God and he loves you, they're very excited and they really want to know. They invite you for lunch. They invite you to their village. They want to take pictures with you. They treat you like, uh, like gold. So that was a good experience. That's awesome. How, how did you get the teaching job, though? Um, you just... you. I I remember okay, you mentioned yeah. you said you you were God said you weren't ready and uh, right. Well, what I did is I worked part time. I didn't work full time to get to work full time in China. You have to have a uh, a work visa, which is very hard to get. So I I did part time teaching. Okay. A uh, friend of mine had a cafe there. Uh, it was called Speakeasy, and he gave me a free room to use. He was not a Christian, but he gave me. He was a guy from Florida. And he gave me a, a room where I could have my classes for free because his he had a, a, a school where they taught English. So I actually helped him by bringing students in. So it, it worked both ways. But he gave me a free place to share, uh, to teach English. And it was in a beautiful part of Lijiang. That's awesome. Yeah. So we'd have parties. See, around holidays in China, then you can share more. Like on Easter, we could share the gospel because okay. it's a holiday and we're just telling them, I actually got to show the Jesus, not the Jesus film, The Passion uh, okay. in China, and I had some reaction, boy, good and bad, you know, but mm. uh, I got to show the uh, that movie in China, and it was powerful. So were you able to see any of the students that you taught English come to Christ? Let's see. That's a good question. Um, yes, I did. Um, but again, I didn't see stages of discipleship that's the hard part but yes um we would show we also would show the jesus film and afterwards part of the jesus film there's an invitation to receive jesus and yeah. some of the students did awesome. as far as the follow-up i don't know much about that but i know some of the other teachers fo would follow up but yeah you can share the gospel in china um i was big on track distribution a friend of mine uh he gave me 800 gospel tracks and I went around to the shopping malls and would leave tracks all around, you know, yeah. very carefully. And that was exciting because I know God uses uh, everything, you know, yes. especially some tracks with his word. So that was exciting. Um, I did get a little trouble with the PSB, which is the Public Security Bureau. 
the police that watched foreigners. Okay. My Chinese teacher, Fiona, came to me and said, Bill, um, I just got interviewed by the PSB. That means they're watching you. <laughs> so she gave me a warning. Okay. And that was the, the police way of saying, we're watching you. We know. And they keep files on everybody. So if they want you out of China, they'll, they'll come, they'll stamp your passport, and you have to leave within three days. Wow. In fact, a friend of mine that was in China 28 years just got kicked out recently. He had to leave within three days. Wow. He was there 27 or 28 years. For uh, they found out he was a missionary with YWAM, and uh, they, they, um, they kicked him out. Wow. Yeah. Now he's working in Malaysia, though. Just God's way of redirecting him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So while you were in China, you could sense God's favor upon you? Oh, yeah. 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 He wants everyone to hear the gospel. And they, they believe that there's more Christians in China than in, in the U.S. now, which is pretty interesting. Wow. I've, you know, yeah, there's a couple groups that try to keep track. You know, it's yeah. hard to be sure. But yeah, um, yeah and uh, I attended a house church there which is um, a little a church in someone's house. Okay. And uh, that's technically illegal, but um, that's where you can hear the gospel. The government has churches that they sanction. They're called the Three Self Church. The government controls them. and um, But the house churches are where really where the action is. So the pastor of the house church that I attended would come to my English class and get friendly with the students and then invite them to his church if he saw they were open. So that's kind of the routine we worked out. Oh, wow. Yeah. It's awesome to see God's hand in that. Yeah. Yeah, it worked out great because he would come to the English uh, class, get friendly with the students, and then invite them to his house church. He got kicked out recently, too. He was there about <laughs> 20 years. Yeah, wow. really nice guy. They they stay faithful and keep sharing that and then eventually get booted. Yeah, yeah, he was there about 20 years. Now he's in Taiwan, you know, Taiwan, China. Uh, Taiwan, which is not part of... Um, PRC, People's Republic of China. It's a separate, the Chinese call it the renegade province, but it's a separate country. As you know, they want to take it back, <laughs> you know. Oh, yeah, I could imagine. Yeah. Didn't know that. I was curious, um, do you have any stories of uh, culture shock being in different cultures? some dark hours and and how to how to deal with that any advice on that because i i know i've i've spent some time in in mexico and um when you're alone if you're alone it, it can get pretty dark pretty quick but mm. when there's no one really around you friends yeah i struggled with loneliness um when i first got to asia especially when i first went to thailand i didn't have any friends and I felt like, what am I doing here? You know, I really felt yeah. like maybe I made a mistake, you know. But I think it was God's way of testing me and teaching me to wait, you know. And eventually I made some friends and contacts. But in China, I struggled with um, some health issues, you know, which were pretty intense. Okay. And um, culture shock, The uh, most people know the, the, um, the bathrooms there are pretty bad, <laughs> really bad. So... Um, that's yeah. pretty intense. That's scary. Um, and some of the the Chinese spit a lot and they smoke a lot, you know, and, um, you know, so some of their habits are pretty, you know, they can be pretty scary or pretty revolting, but, you know, um, but they're, they're nice, you know, they're nice people. And what's encouraging is they really are pretty open to the gospel. You mm. know? Okay. Yeah. Which in Thailand, it's the opposite. There's so many gods, and Buddhism is so powerful, you know, that it's a very hard mission field, Thailand. Okay. And some people will say, okay, we believe in Jesus, but they're still worshiping Buddha. Yeah. You know, they still have many gods. They call that syncretism, I believe, is the term, theological term. So, but yeah, the culture shocking. Once, but now when I, when I go back, when I go back, I'm getting used to that, you know, and then there's reverse culture shock when you come back to the U.S. Yeah, like, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Do you, do you have any uh, advice, wisdom, tips for that, for handling that, for someone that might be going through that? Uh, yeah, there's actually a book written by a YWAMer called Reentry. Okay? okay? It tells you how to deal with re-entering uh, to your own country after being in a foreign mission field. And when I was working in China at the Nordic Cafe, 
the owner, his name was Shakjan, he was getting ready to go back to Norway, uh, and he was thinking about re-entry. And I told him about this book, Re-Entry. And a couple of days later, guess who shows up at the cafe? The author of the book. And he gave awesome. him a copy. That was amazing. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, we said, that's got to be God. You yeah, know? that got to be God. Yeah. I'm, uh, wow. Yeah, that was amazing wow. to be in China. So re-entry. I forgot the author, but he showed up in China and gave Shock John the book. And uh, yeah, that was exciting. <clears throat> so, Bill, what what would you say was the greatest blessing going to to China all them over the years? What what did God work on you, and what, what, what did you get to see? Greatest blessing, wow. Well, just to see the heart, the heart of the Chinese people that they want to know the Lord too. They want to know about life, why we're here, where we're going, and how yeah. we're going to get there. So just that I could use my gift of evangelism to share that with them. Awesome. And another friend of mine had a cafe there, and we'd have parties there with the students. We'd have Christmas parties, Easter parties, and that was a chance we could share the gospel on a higher level on Christmas or Easter. Yeah. And that was so exciting. And one time, one of my students, I asked her to be the translator to translate uh, the mes message into Chinese. And one at this party, there was also a Chinese girl that had become a Christian, and they were kind of working together, and you could see the difference. The one that was a Christian was just glowing, and the other one was, you could see in darkness, you know? And yeah. I have a vivid memory of that. But just having parties, showing them God's love, you know, by having a nice meal and uh, worship. The pastor of that house church came, and he was gifted in singing. And one song he would sing is, Mary, Did You Know? They love that, you oh, know? And, that's a good uh, one. Yeah. So just to see, have fun and joy and loving them. Okay. You know, letting them see, you know, the love of the Lord just in uh, practical ways, too. Yeah. Awesome. It's exciting. So, Bill and I were talking before we, we started recording, and he had mentioned something about the 1040 range. And I'd like to have him explain what the 1040 range is and what his heart's desire is on 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 that. So, Bill, what what is the 1040 <clears throat> range? Okay, well, um, the 1040 window or range is an area in the world between 10 degrees north and 40 degrees latitude. And in that area, there's about 2 billion people, that's billion, not million, that have never heard the gospel, never heard the name of Jesus, and that's an area that needs to be reached. And yeah, some of them never heard the name of Jesus, and that was really... I was in a park one time in China, and I was just walking around this park, and I saw this Chinese girl. She was about eight or nine, and she spoke English. And I got to chat with her, and eventually I said, by the way, do you know that Jesus loves you in English? And she looked at me, and she went, what is Jesus? She had no idea. She never heard. Huh. We assume everybody knows about you. She yeah. didn't have any idea whether you know who, who Jesus was. Wow, And that really impacted me that, yeah, there's people that, you know, sadly, Coca-Cola has made a more of an impact on the world than uh, the gospel. I've heard that, and I believe it's true. They've infiltrated areas where we haven't been able to go yet. So that's a little sad, but <laughs> God's still working. <laughs> and that's why he's using you. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. But the harvest is plentiful. Work is a few, so we need to keep praying that he'll send out more, you know. Yeah. And then I always say to people, be ready. Because in my home church in New York, we used to pray, God, the harvest is plentiful, the work is few, send them out. And I felt like God saying, well, what about you? You know? Yeah. Maybe God wants to use you to, you know, to answer your own prayer. And that, uh -huh. that's kind of one way God dealt with me, you know? Um, mm -hmm. Sometimes he uses us to answer our own prayer. So, yeah, wow. And I'm glad I went. It's been exciting. I'm hoping to go back in the future. I still have a 10-year visa for China. Okay. So I have about five years left on it. So I'm excited. I'm sure God will do great things with that. Yeah. If if that's his will. So, Bill, if if you were ru to run into somebody right now that mentioned they wanted to go on a missions trip, mm -hmm. what would your advice be? What would your encouragement be to them today? Okay, to a foreign mission field? Or? Yeah, a foreign yeah. missions field. 
Okay, well, I would encourage them, but I would say, first of all, if you're not sharing the gospel here in the United States, make sure you're sharing you're sharing here before you go to a foreign country because of the culture and the language barrier. So um, I would say that, and I would say, um, go, you know, but be equipped, make sure you're, you know God's word, you know, and um, pray that, get prayer support, that's really important, have people praying for you, and... Um, Walk in faith. Take a step of faith, you know, and uh, if God's calling you, he'll provide and he will use you and you'll be excited. You'll be blessed. If you told me t- before I went to China that you'd be going to China, I would have said, you're nuts. I have no idea. I don't want to go to China, but I'm so happy I did go and that he called me. It's been probably the best nine years of my life being in China. That's awesome to yeah. hear. That's awesome. Yeah, and I'm excited. I'd love to go back, but, you know, right now... Um, that doesn't look like it's happening. <laughs> On God's timing. Yeah. I I really liked how you said, though, if you're not sharing the gospel here at home, here in the U.S., mm. you better start doing <clears throat> that because a foreign country is completely different, and I couldn't... It's already hard enough going to, <clears throat> out on the street sometime <clears throat> and wanting to share Jesus, or I freeze up, me personally, sometimes, you know. I don't always have that boldness and that courage to... To do so, even though I'm getting prompted, mm-hmm. just just share just share my name, just share my name, <coughs> mm. and that's encouraging to me to to take that step to continue to to share Jesus here in home. Here in mm. my mission is at home. Yeah, someone said bloom. Where someone said, where does God want to use me? Bloom where you're planted, you know. If you, yeah. God wants to use you right where you are, you can reach people that we can't reach, you know. Your your workmates, your family, your friends, and that's a mission field, man. Your family and friends, yeah, yeah. It starts there, huh? So, lastly, before we close, Bill, mm. uh, I know you had mentioned you had something you would like to share. So, uh, whatever's on your heart. Most of us heard of the Great Commission, and. Um, Great Commission, God calls us to go into all the world, preach the gospel, make disciples. Go, G-O, not to stay, but to go. And that means getting out of our comfort zone. And that's a command. It's not a suggestion. And I believe every Christian is called to go, not necessarily to a foreign field, but to to share in their realm of influence. Um, As I mentioned, there's two billion people in the world that have never heard the gospel. So... I want to encourage you out there, get out of your comfort zone. If you're in a comfort zone, think of this. Imagine if Jesus said, I'm not going. I don't want to become a human. I don't want to leave my comfort zone. But he did. He left his comfort zone. The Bible says, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. So he got out of his comfort zone. And he calls us to do the same. Um, I believe we're getting really close. Nobody knows the last day, but we're, we're, we're called to be ready. You know, and, That's right. Uh, the day of the Lord is going to come when we least expect it. So I want to encourage you. Um, we have the best news in the world, uh, the glorious gospel, and we're called to be ambassadors for the King of Kings. We have a high calling. Um, the gospel is the power of God unto salvation to all who believe. And um, we're told to use our time wisely. The days are evil, and the days are evil. They're not getting better. Mm-hmm. And using our time wisely, one way we can do that is is by sharing the gospel and winning souls. In Proverbs, it says, he who is wise wins souls. And the famous missionary Jim Elliott said, only what's done for Christ will last. Uh, only one life will soon be passed. Only what's done for Christ will last. So we need to focus more on eternal things and temporal, you know, um, and I just want to encourage us uh, to be more proactive in sharing our faith. And just, I heard a message actually at our church here on prayer, and I really believe that the greatest need right now for the body of Christ is prayer. And these are some points the pastor made on prayer, and I just, um, we have a couple minutes? Yeah, yeah, share them. Okay. This really impressed me, and uh, I wrote them down um, about prayer. If you're too busy to pray, you are too busy. No man is greater than his prayer life. 
Number three, if we are if we're not serious about praying, we are playing and maybe straying. If we advance on our knees, we will never have to retreat. The Lord can do more through our prayers than all else. I like that one, because God could do everything that he's called us to do, but he wants us to pray. Um, our prayers are a sweet incense to the Lord. That's in Revelation. Colossians says, devote yourselves to prayer. Devote, that's a strong verb. And Jesus said, my house shall be called a house of prayer. A praying man will stop sinning. A sinning man will stop praying. Did I get that right? Yeah. If we fail here in prayer, we will fail everywhere. Wow. One of the most holy things we can do is pray. James says, the effective prayer of a righteous man availeth much. And then in the pastor at our church, here's something he said that really hit me. Um, this is pretty heavy. We can get 500 people to come to a church picnic, but barely five to come to the prayer meeting. I was like, wow, that's pretty intense. And the reason that is, is picnics are fun. I love picnics. But prayer is work. It's battle. It's intense, you know? Um, but that's where the action is. That's one of our spiritual weapons. So I want to encourage us to really um, commit ourselves to praying, improve our prayer life. The Lord delights in our prayers. And uh, again, our prayers are an incense to him. And just I want to close with my life verse, if I may. Yeah. Yeah, First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight, which I hope will encourage you too. Do you know that verse? The work that you're doing here will not labor in vain. Okay, Al- along the line, I right. don't have it. it it's okay. a verse That's that close. speaks loudly close. to me. Well, this is uh, my life verse, and I hope it speaks to your heart out there. Be sober, be watchful. Oh wait, I'm sorry, the wrong one. <laughs> be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For whatever you do for the Lord is not in vain. Hmm. So he, yeah, Amen. Amen. Yeah. Thank, thanks, Bill. That was beautiful. That prayer really hit. I believe it's truth. It's what we need. I know for me, I slack lately. God's been saying, Austin, hand me over your sleep. Hmm. You're worried about you're going to be tired tomorrow, but I'm trying to get you to pray here at night, but you just want to sleep. So that that really hit me. For me. It hit me too. And uh, if we could just improve little by little, you know, like with exercise, do a little bit and then you do a little more and it becomes a habit. And, you know, um, praying for one minute is better than not praying at all. That's right. There's a verse that, as you were saying, it's something. It's Luke eleven twenty eight. Jesus replied, but even more blessed are all who hear the word of God and put it into practice. Amen. That's where the rubber meets the road, my pastor used to say. (laughs) Talk is cheap, but yeah, now that you know these things, you're blessed if you do them. So that's that's what we need. Amen. Amen. Uh, Caleb, you got anything else? Or would you like to close us in prayer? Would you have any advice for... People who are trying to learn a second language. Just do it, man. Do it. <laughs> uh, it's not easy. It's not easy. I, like I said, I was going to give up, but um, I've learned some Spanish, learned some Mandarin, some Thai, and in elementary school, I got a minus 50 on a French test. So foreign language is not my forte, but if you persevere, God will bless it. You might not become fluent, but uh, persevere and don't give up. You can do it. If I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> what do you, What is something God spoke to you in your darkest hour and missions? Oh, that's a good one. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a good question. Um, persevere, you know, not to give up. Yeah, not to give up, just to persevere and walk by faith. You know, walk by faith. And uh, Proverbs 3, 5 comes to mind too. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understandings, you know. Not to walk by feelings, because feelings are fleeting. They change. They come and go. Yeah, so walk by faith. And that that's not easy when things are going tough. But not to give up. And uh, persevere. Perseverance pays. And 
Yeah, in Revelation it talks about perseverance too, how we need to persevere. And Jesus persevered to the point of death on the cross. Yeah. He didn't give up, and he was tempted in his flesh, but he persevered to the cross. So we need to, that's an example for us to persevere. Thank you, Bill. Thank you for this time. It was beautiful. Uh, mm. Yeah. Well, thank you too. Shesheni. And in Thai, you say, Kapkun Ka. But thank you too. It's been a blessing. I hope you guys are encouraged out there. Um, go into all the world and preach the gospel, um, make disciples, uh, and you won't regret it. It's the greatest adventure of your life to share the good news with those that are in darkness. Someone shared the good news with you, so do the same. Amen. Amen. Lord, I thank you for, um, thank you for Bill. I thank you for this time, Lord. Uh, I pray uh, just for those listening, Lord. Um, I pray that they would be encouraged and lifted up by these stories, Lord, and that you would just press on them um, how you want them in their life to to press into you and to share um, the gospel and to persevere, to walk by uh, faith and not by sight, Lord. Um, we are so abundantly blessed. Uh, I just thank you for this time. I pray that you bless these words and uh, this whole conversation we had. And bless those listening in Jesus' name. Amen. Tune in to next week, and I encourage you all to share Jesus with one stranger in the next week.